Hello, folks and loyal listeners. Thanks for joining us once again. You found yourself listening to the hottest podcast in the state of Iowa. We have high expectations, and you're about to hear about them. Well, Drewski, we're back again. Uh, we're, you know, back to reality here. Holidays are over. We're in 2021. Happy New Year, my man. Yeah, you too. Holidays, uh, the, the New Year's was successful for us. I don't know about you guys. Oh, yeah. We had a great, uh, <clears throat> we had a great time counting down the clock. Kids were drinking some of the uh, Welch's sparkling grape juice, white and red. We had the... Andre, top of the shelf, Andre, uh, California Ooh. champagne cork popping. Nice, nice. I haven't, you know what? I haven't had Andre champagne since the United States won the Ryder Cup in whatever year that oh, was. Oh, God. We we, was it Andre that we had? Was that Andre that we were drinking? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I mean, oh, my God. That was 2016. That was, that was crazy. <laughs> End of the night, Dude, singing some think... country music. It was a good time. I, I like blacked out at like six forty-five at night. It's incredible. <laughs> on, on a, a Sunday. Sunday. On a Sunday. Yeah, that's the best part. <laughs> I just wake up Monday morning feeling like absolute crap. To you being like, oh, it looks like we sent some videos out on Snapchat. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> Amazing. I didn't even like. I think I had only been dating Lindsay for about a month at that point. Yeah, you know, boy, things change in four years, don't they? Good stuff. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now I have like two IPAs. I wake up in the morning with a slight headache. We we found a bottle of uh, somebody got us like a bottle of like actual like real champagne, like Moat and Chandron or something like that. I don't know how you pronounce it. Mouton for our. Uh, for our wedding, I think. And so I was like, ah, maybe we should drink this. You know, it's been a couple of years. And um, so we we're going to take it down to Lindsay's, uh, you know, to, we we're going down to see Lindsay's family. And so I looked it up and it was like a $125 bottle. And I was like, oh, that's pretty good. And then I, I looked, I looked nice. at it, it lasts for five to 10 years. And so I told Lindsay and I was like, you want to waste it on, you know, just ran, you know, randoms. And she's like, nah, I'll leave that here. We'll, we'll split that together sometime. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So we took we took a bottle of like Wilson's Creek almond champagne, which I'm sure was you know three years old and tasted like garbage, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it worked. So I love it. it was in bed by about ten forty. So yeah, well, we we made it. We made it to bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't... It's getting harder and harder every year. Absolutely. Well, I think uh, you know now that we've got the pleasantries out of the way, um, let's jump into the Hawkeye basketball team. What do you say? Uh, that sounds good. You know, I, what I love about our podcast is it does always start pleasant. You know, it's it always pleasant it really at the yeah. start. How you doing? What you been up to? You know, because I feel like the listeners want to know. And for our listeners, um, I, you know, I, I've got a big announcement at the end of the podcast. I forgot to put this on the rundown, Brad, but we'll, um, you know, we've been talking about it and there's been some more, uh, some more legwork being done. So uh, just remind me to uh, give this announcement to the to the listeners at the end of the podcast here. Wow, I'm gonna go ahead and type that into the end of our yeah. uh, outline here for, yeah, absolutely. for episode 11. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> but yeah, yeah. Now that the pleasantries are over, I mean, those Hawkeyes really proved something to me last uh, last Saturday. 
That's right. Pleasantries and the teaser. But yeah, you want to talk about it. Now, hey, <laughs> you were the one that that, that uh, they had to prove it to and go into yeah. Rutgers. I think they uh, I think they might have. It was uh, quite the win, I, I would say. Just a, uh, uh, you know, a great. We would have taken a win any way they can get it. But the fact that we had some uh, contributors that maybe weren't their usual suspects made it even better. Right. Yeah, it was almost like old school Fran McCaffrey. Like, you know, all of a sudden here comes Aaron Euless and Tony Perkins into the game in the first half. And I'm, you know, I was watching it. The, the one thing I will say about uh, watching games during pandemics, I don't feel or like, you know, with no fans or, you know, the announcers might not be in the stadium. I know they were there, but like you don't get a good feel of like who has how many fouls or anything. Like it's like they don't really have the stats that they would normally have there. Have you noticed that? I have, yeah. I, I actually had to look up to be like, where's CJ? You know, I mean, obviously yeah. Connor got hurt, and I was like, what are Wieskamp's struggling, and he's sitting for a while, but where's CJ? And I was like, oh, crap, he's got two fouls? I yeah, missed so you, you, you kind of miss it, and then it doesn't get brought up. And So I was trying to figure out, like, why the hell Aaron Euless and Tony Perkins were in the game. I thought Euless looked good. Perkins came in and instantly threw it to the wrong team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, boy, that's not good. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I thought overall, I thought he played pretty well and, um, you know, kept us in the game. We actually went on a little bit of a run there. It was kind of fun to see. So, um, that, that was cool. And I just like, you know, again, like Luca Garza is just the best player I've ever seen play for Iowa. So, yeah, absolutely. He had another stretch in the, in the second half where he just took over for, Mm -hmm. for what, three or four possessions. Um, I, I do want to bring up with Garza, like the the stupidity of other fan bases. You know, like I saw some uh, I saw some stuff from Rutgers fans being like, he's not the national player of the year, blah, blah, blah. He only scored when Miles Johnson wasn't in the game. And I'm like, yeah, that's the great thing about Luca Garza. So Miles Johnson did a good job on him. You know, he still had 10 points at halftime or whatever, but Garza can play the entire game at the same just like playing hard is a skill, right? And being able to play hard for a long period of time is a skill. Yeah. Garza can do it. So Garza wears your guy out or gets your guy in foul trouble and then beats the hell out of your second string guy. And that's what makes him a great, great basketball player. So it's just like the, the stupidity of other team fans. And I, I kind of get it because like Garza's greatness is not the greatness we're used to seeing in 2020 on the basketball floor, right? Or 2021 right. now on a basketball floor. Like that greatness is not something we're we're used to. Like it'd be like almost like dropping an AC year old that could shoot three pointers. You know, like that that's what he looks like, right? Sometimes he doesn't look super smooth or super athletic, but he gets the job done. And um, I just it's just I'm just glad we got to watch him because he is incredible. Oh, I yeah, I agree. And the other thing, too, is I think this Rutgers game was an example of he can get it done in different ways. I mean, Connor mm-hmm. went out and there were, you know, Dockage, say what you want about Dockage on the on the on the color. But he, um, you know, pointed out a number of times and rightfully so. In this instance, Garza had his guy pinned. He, you know, they yeah, had we, didn't give him the ball. And we, yeah. we just couldn't get it to him. So he stepped out. He stepped outside and even, you know, took his guy off the dribble a couple of times and had that one mm-hmm. play where he was spinning and pivoting and made a reverse layup. And I still don't know how he did it, where you don't you don't see a big guy doing that, you right. know. And, and right. to your point, 
there's been this was a game too, and there's been a number of them this year, or a couple of them this year, maybe I'll say, where you're like, man, this team's doing a, teams that it's like they're they're doing the best job Garden Garza as I've seen in the last couple of years. And the guy still gets 20, 25, 30. Like, it's just crazy. You know, yeah, like he's yeah. just absolutely like he's guaranteed to get 20 and 10, like guaranteed. It's almost, it's nuts. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. It's not like the Minnesota, the Minnesota game. He got it on vo- just volume of shots. Right. Like right. He took 27 shots. I think he had 30 in that game. Um, but he probably like he would probably be the first to tell you he should have scored 40 in that game. Right. Like we can go to all the little things about the Minnesota game at the end of the day, Garza didn't make shots he normally makes. Right. Right. Um, this game was a little bit different. He didn't get the, he didn't get the looks. Right. And we, like, uh, some of those entry passes we throw him are just terrible. Like, (laughs) I mean, they, and they lead to just layups at the other end, you know, like that's one thing we got to clear up. And I, and I found a, um, uh, kind of a competitor to Ken Palm uh, website. I was listening to a college basketball podcast and they were talking about this other website too. And it, so I've got some like actual stats to, to talk about kind of, you know, where, where we're struggling. And if we can just, you know, just be a little bit better in a couple di- different areas, I think we're going to be really, really good. Um, and, Drop the knowledge. I'm, Drop so, the knowledge on us. So here's, so it's, the website is uh, barttorvik.com. You can laugh all you want there. Barttorvik.com. When I want basketball analytics, I go I think to Bart Torvik. I think Bart Torvik. I mean, it's, I mean, isn't it crazy? The two websites that I would, that I go to to check this stuff out. One's barttorvik.com. The other's kenpomeroy.com. But uh, anyway, so he's still, he's got Iowa 10th overall, but number one in, in offense, just and, and very similar um, to the Ken Palm numbers in offense. 138 in defense, right? So he's got us a little worse in defense. But here's here's what I found. He breaks it down a little bit more. So you can see, like, effective field goal percentage. Where's Iowa? Iowa's number uh, 30 in the country in effective field goal, but we're 128th in uh, effective field goal defense. But here's where the numbers get kind of interesting, right? So turnover percentage. We only turn it over 11% of our offensive possessions, which is great. Yeah, I, not very often. You know, that's, that's really good. Now – other teams, right? They only turned it over when they're playing us. They turned it over on 19.6% of their possessions, right? So we don't turn people over. We don't turn it over at all, but we don't turn people over at a high rate either. That's 182nd in the country, right? So if we could get that number up, that helps your, your defensive rating, right? If we could just get that number up just a little bit, right? But the big one is defensive rebounding. We give up 33.6% of the, of the rebounds on defense, right? The other team's getting an offensive rebound on us 33.6% of the time. That's 322nd in the country. So we got to do a better job of rebounding. If we just, if we just do a little better job of rebounding and we force teams into a couple more turnovers a game, our numbers are going to be a lot better. So it's not like we're just not playing defense compared to other teams. We don't finish the possession compared to other teams, which is weird because we rebound on the offensive side. You know, we're rebounding, uh, what's the number here? 30, oh, oh, wrong team, sorry. 36.7% of our, our misses were rebounding on the offensive end. And that's Garza, right? Garza's a really good offensive rebounder. Um, so is Keegan Murray, and uh, Nunji's a pretty good offensive rebounder too. But but that number, um, I knew we weren't a great defensive rebounding team, but that number's pretty troubling, right? And then you mix that in with the last number here, and that's three-point defense. 
you know, teams are shooting 35.6% against us. It's 250th in the country. A lot of three-point defense, you don't have a ton of control over it. A lot of three-point defense is just you, you try not to let people take a ton of threes, right? You want to run them off the three-point line, make them take long twos, um, the old Tom Thibodeau defense. So, you know, that that could find it, you know, that could level out a little bit and find its water over the course of the, find its level, excuse me, over the course of the season. And, uh, you know, maybe we get a little better on defense that way. So, so that's why I'm a little more positive about the defense than I was just a couple or last week where I just saw the Ken Palm number. When you break it down, you see where we can improve and how bad we are on the rebounding side. If we can improve that a little bit and get that number down below 30%, like we're going to be really, really tough to beat because like we always said, you don't have to be great. You just have to be average. So I, sure. I just thought that was interesting. I thought that was some knowledge to drop on you there. Um, no. and, Bri- and Bright Dog, you can go to hell, man. I'm sorry I didn't make a joke in the last three minutes. I wanted to be serious. So, Dude, uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, I can guarantee you all of that went straight over Bright Dog's head. He doesn't know. Yeah, what does he do? I mean, pull out your... Pull out your flight aware app, Brydog, and see if you can find uh, the stats that Drew was talking about because they're way over your head. Uh, <laughs> but what I was going to say, too, as you were talking about that and you talk about defensive rebounding, I mean, the one thing I was going to get back to when you were done is like Keegan Murray. I mean, who saw who saw this coming? Mm-hmm. And. So the more minutes Keegan Murray gets, which I think we're going to see more and more, especially if he continues to play at that level that he did at Rutgers, he's he, is he our best defensive rebounder? I mean, he might be, right? He like might, that's just going to yeah. help. Uh, that's just going to help us on those boards. So, well, and here's here's another thing on uh, that if you were <laughs> if you wanted to be somebody like Brydog who just uses the strictly the eye test, right? Doesn't believe in the numbers, doesn't <laughs> believe in, you know, I mean, he's still, he's still talking about wins and losses for pitchers in baseball, you know, like, I mean, he doesn't believe in these numbers and that's fine. So if you, if you were somebody like Brydog and you didn't believe in these numbers, you would say the reason that we get so many offensive rebounds is because other teams are in strange help situations because of trying to double and triple team Garza and then get back to shooters that it makes it hard to find your guy and box out, right? And what you would say for us, the reason we give up so many rebounds is because we let guys get into the lane, we let guys drive past us, the ball moves, and then we don't get into a position to box out and go get the ball. Um, So I think that is part of why those numbers are so far to, you know, like we're top 10 in the country in offensive rebounding rate, bottom 10% in defensive rebounding rate, right? So what that that would be where I would say that's probably where I'm thinking that issue comes from a little bit. Um, but, you know, um, that that's – I don't really have anywhere else to go on that. That's just what I think. Keegan Murray, right? That's what we were talking about before I went on a little tangent. No, I just threw him out there as someone that's going to help on the defensive boards and, and all around. Um you know, <clears throat> he just does everything pretty good. He, doesn't he? He's I he's mean, a he's an all around player and he's already a player like I don't there. Certainly not me. Certainly not you. I don't know anybody uh, that saw him contributing well, as much were, as he is so far. Yeah, this year I, as a freshman. I, mean, I mean, I said there were wasted scholarships when they when they committed. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't I, I could not believe that they were giving scholarships to both those guys. And not because they were bad basketball players, right? But like I saw them play when they were at Prairie, and they were six foot four, pretty good players. But they were six foot four, kind of inside out guys, you know, like sure. real good shooters. Like, but you know, you, nothing where you're like these. And 
I wasn't the only one. They only had an offer from Western Illinois, you know. So it's not like I was the only one that was like, hey, yeah, you know, everybody who had the chance to give them a scholarship, you know, didn't do it except for Western Illinois. Um, but then they grew and went to prep school. And I mean, I don't know if you know if Chris Murray can be seventy five percent of what Keegan is, then you got two pretty good players, you yeah. know, hopefully over the next four years. And the other part is they're gonna be old too, right? Like, yeah, you know, because this year doesn't count if they don't want it to. So, right. So, um, so yeah, they could be 23, 24 years old playing against 18 year olds. And that makes a difference. So big time uh, four year contributors or eight, five, right. five year contributors. Right. Yeah, right. That's, that's right. true. So let's uh, let's talk just real quick about Jack Nungy. Can we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and this is this is this this is just nothing against Jack Nungy. Right. He's a perfectly fine role player may turn into something more than that. Right. Um, he is 22 years old. So when, uh, you know, when people talk about him being a young player, they are wrong. Yeah. Um, he's already been on know, campus. Yeah, he's he's, on campus. He's this is a, his fourth year on campus. So, he's an old sophomore. So, um, so yeah, he's perfectly fine. Uh, give you some good minutes, you know, perfectly fine role player, but we've had two announcers talk about him as a pro. And I have no idea what they're talking about as somebody who's watched him play basically every game he's been in Iowa, right? Like, you know, the Jimmy Dykes said, oh, yeah, NBA guys call uh, during the North Carolina game. They call and ask about how's Jack Nudgy look in practice. It's like, really? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, and then he did something in that game, and Dockett just goes, Jack Nudgy's a pro. I'm like, in Korea? Like, yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Like, you know, and, and so anyway, it's just like that just kind of cracked me up that we've had two guys say that. And it's just, you know, like, are you watching this happen? Like they didn't say, Dockage didn't say it when Nunji just dribbled directly into two guys and turned it over three times, you know, he didn't right. say it then, but, but <clears throat> no, anyway. I think, uh, yeah. And I, I think, you know, this year, Saturday was an example. In some games, maybe maybe there's a place for him. Saturday, in my opinion, was a game where I really didn't need to see Garza and Nunji on the floor at the same time, you know, against 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 the team like Rutgers. Um, but Nunji can can come in and, and spot Garza's minutes, and then next mm-hmm. year, you know, he's going to have a much bigger role, and we'll and and we'll see. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. He's not. Uh, I mean. Uh, the same people that are probably talking about Luca Garza maybe not being a pro are going to say Jack Nunzi is like that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the, yeah, there's no, like, get out of here. There's yeah. no way. Yeah. But right. Right. But so, anyways. Uh, so yeah, Thursday this week at, at Maryland, that'll be an, another good road test. Uh, and then rematch this weekend on Sunday, uh, Minnesota comes to town. So, uh, but Huge win against Rutgers and the, the Hawks are the Hawks are back in the top five, right? AP top five. AP so. top five. If they get if they get both of these this week, I think it's start time. It's time to say they could, you know, start talking about what do they need to do to win the win the league for the first time since 1979. Agreed. Agreed. So. No. If, yeah. If we get these two this week, um, then things start to get really exciting. We start talking, yeah, Big Ten standings. But uh, either way. I'm glad they're playing, and uh, it's a good time to be a Iowa Hawkeye basketball fan. That's for absolutely, sure. absolutely. Well, what's next here? What was it? What was next on the old rundown? 
Yeah, let's real quickly just touch on, uh, I know last uh, last episode, we spent a lot of time trying to fix college football um, with or without our recommendations. The college football playoff happened. Alabama, uh, big win or uh, not as big as the spread uh, win over Notre yeah. Dame, which was. And as a Notre Dame fan, I will always say that that game was 31-21 because Notre Dame got a touchdown call back. And because I really just need the positive reinforcement, I'm counting it. <laughs> uh, so, you know, technically they scored three touchdowns. Alabama's offense is just. Just great. Just great. Like Notre Dame's defense is actually pretty good. I know people don't want to hear that, but like they actually have some pretty damn good players. And I didn't think they were terrible in the game. It was just that, you know, at any point in time, Alabama could get the ball to Devontae Smith or Najee Harris. And it was like they were it reminded me of that um, Iowa game when Saquon Barkley was at Penn State and like we could stop them. And then all of a sudden Saquon Barkley would do something just absolutely insane. Like. Yeah, that's kind of well, how that you know where it's just like okay, well they just have those guys that are better, and <laughs> that was that, right? And right. So yeah, and I think Saquon hurdled us one uh, once. Uh, that that hurdle he did. Uh, he did. Yeah. In the in the Bama Notre Dame game might have been the play of the year as far as I'm concerned. That was unbelievable. Yeah, that was I. That was nuts because that defensive back did not go that low. No, it was like, like <laughs> jump the dude standing like, straight up. Yeah, that was like crazy. he was like going kind of like to his midsection, and he, yeah, that was impressive. Yeah, so that's just one of those where you just shake your head. Had to yeah. do the rewind on that one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and, and I think the big, the big shocker, the big shocker of the final four: Ohio State, the Buckeyes. Yeah, the big underdog win over Clemson. So I know last week I said, let's just put Alabama and Clemson in and call it what it is, right? Um, So I I feel like Ohio State winning that game by a lot actually makes my point even more about how this is just like college football is basically three teams and everybody else. Like we like the college football world is acting like Ohio State pulled some crazy upstate upset. It's Ohio (laughs) freaking state. Like, like, come on. You know, like that's that's how like that's how much people are striving for some type of story of, you know, new story. The new story is Ohio State. Like, get out of here. Yeah. No, I hear you. I I was glad to see it just because I I told you earlier, I was glad to see it just because, uh, you know, I Bama Ohio State championship game intrigues me much more than Bama Clemson Again, Volume yeah. Five, right? You know, I mean, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a and different I'm, game. I'm, I'm kind of done with Davo Sweeney too. Like, I yeah, mean, but I, I'm with you. It's Ohio. It's Ohio State. It's not yeah. like Cincinnati snuck in there or yeah. somebody from the. I mean, it, yeah, it's it, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. it's what still uh, Ohio State, but yeah. Um, but yeah, well, we'll you know. We'll we'll see what happens. Hey, I thought I saw on the Twitter that like Ohio State's having COVID issues and they might push the game Again? back or something. Really? That, I, yeah, I haven't seen anything like that. Is that your boy Sir Yacht? No, it's Ohio, not. I saw Ohio State uh, still having COVID issues. Like, what are I they don't doing? Know. I, what it was? Somebody tweeted it, and then your boy Adam Jacoby retweeted it, and then he is not I, my boy. Like, don't you dare say that. You don't you put that <laughs> evil on me. Don't you put that evil on me. And then my boy blast from a few months ago, uh, Jade, right? Jade DFW or something. <laughs> he 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 
ripped on, used it to rip on Jacoby. So I, I don't know if there's any validity to it, but, um, yeah, I, I haven't heard that at all. So yeah, I, I would be shocked. Like you said, I, I think Ohio state's been having issues for a while, but, but they, had we'll like, see. they had like 12 guys out of that game. Like, I don't know how many of them were starters, but they, they had people out of that game. So, yeah. But yeah, anyways, it was fun. Uh, I do, I do think it's like, like I said, I'm, I'm, t- I'm kind of tired of Dabo Sweeney and his, and his stuff. I, this is the one part where I will say, like, I do appreciate Nick Saban just being like, Hey, I'm a football coach. I don't even know there's an election going on today type of thing. You know, like, Dabo just thinks everything can be solved by, you know, playing football hard enough. <laughs> and like, yeah. So I just, I'm tired of him. And I thought it was hilarious that he voted Ohio State 11th and then just got drilled, Smoke just bomb, got, yeah. just got boat raced. So, uh, so yeah, that was kind of fun to watch. So it was kind of crazy that the game kind of turned on a targeting penalty this year the same way it did last year, you know, except yeah. for Ohio State this time. Right. So, and Clemson didn't get the benefit of the down on a stupid fumble like they did the year before, too. This stupid fumble went to Ohio State, the one where Lawrence just kind of, like, put his hand on the ball and didn't try to, like, pull it in or anything, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, that couple was kind of interesting. Yeah, a couple of interesting. Blow it open when you got some talented teams like, like we got. So, yeah, I think uh, I would say Alabama wins that game by 10. Is that your thought? Yeah, are they a touchdown favorite? I don't remember I what I saw. Favorite, yeah. Seven or ten? Yeah. I I mean, you got to go Alabama, but um, yeah, I, I don't, you know, Ohio State's got a shot. It's not like it's, you know, I don't expect it to be a blowout, that's for sure. But yeah. I would say Bama by uh, in the seven to 14 range. Yep. And we're now up to 11 out of 14 college football semifinal games being 10 points or more. That's true. Yeah. yeah, the 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 semifinals are not close for whatever not reason. Close, no. Crazy. Yeah, that's why I think it'd be cool to like have a because we don't remember Final Four games that aren't close, right? And it happens a lot. Like that Buddy Heald Oklahoma team got beat by like forty five points by Villanova, just absolutely rolled, right? But we don't. But like we still consider that a super successful year for Oklahoma. So if you have that, right? You know that eighteen playoff where like winning that game you know, winning a game on your campus to get to the final four type of thing would be huge for people, right? Like say somehow I was the four seed and they're playing Georgia, the five seed and it's at Kennick and you win that game, right? Well then that's awesome. And it's a huge thing for your school. And then who cares if Alabama beats you by 35 points the next week, right? It doesn't matter, yeah. you know, so. I feel like it, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, it, it kind of goes back to what we were saying last uh, last time, which which is all those other bowls get no attention, right? It's mm-hmm. all about the CFP. Because I feel like back in the day, and maybe when they just had two go to the, the championship, um, if you were like a Utah or Hawaii that one year made like the sugar bowl or something, mm-hmm. right. You were one of those outside schools, just making one of those bowls was a huge deal, even though yeah. Hawaii for sure got blown out. Yeah. Utah, I think actually beat, beat Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but you know, it was a big deal where now it, it's all about the playoffs. So, so yeah, maybe we make the playoff eight teams and then if you win as a six seed or a seven seed or something that's you know a huge thing right even if even if you don't make the championship at least mm-hmm. you you know you won a big game and like you said you made a run but 
Um, I don't know how fast that's going to happen, but I think it's going to eventually happen where we have we have expansion, right? Yeah, and well, the other part, like I, I am, I'm basically to the point where I'm just like, all these bowl games just need to go the hell away, right? Like I, I know it's not going to happen because ESPN owns a lot of them and they need them for programming, but part of the reason that you don't you don't see upsets in college football is there's a month off between the season and the start of the playoffs, like the ebb and flow, like so much can happen in that month, right? Like, like Alabama gets beat every now and then by a team that shouldn't beat them in the regular season, right? Clemson got beat by Pitt one year. We beat Ohio State by 35 points one year, right? Right. Like, things happen during the course of the season, but we just then, you know, take take a, mo- take a month off. And is it any surprise that the teams that have 55 analysts that they're paying, like, come up with better game plans and the guys you know everybody's back to full strength and the teams with the best players are going to win at that point right like i mean we just create this system that just is so like top heavy and just rewards like the very top of the sport in every way and it's just crazy to me but you know I, that's just that's my personal opinion on it and i know other people love bowl games and i watch them too like i you know they're they're on so yeah i'll watch them but I mean, would you really care if they went away and we went to a 16-team or 2014 playoff? Like, would that would would you really care that you know the Hawkeyes didn't go down to Tampa and go to Bush Gardens? Like, I I, I don't know. It's it, it's all just weird that college football has decided to outsource their postseason. And part of the reason is like, well, we got to pump money into these local economies. Well, what about like the economies of this where the schools are like why shouldn't we pump money into those you know and it's just a it, it all seems strange to me but that's yeah i will say this podcast. year <laughs> hey we got more podcasts coming we'll put it on i would say this year uh it was a bummer that iowa didn't play in a bowl game but it wasn't like a mate you know like yeah is as a as a fan of a team that's usually in some of those bowls that would maybe go away. It is it, it it's it's kind of like a a locked in vacation, right? I mean, bowl right. trips are fun, um, even though maybe nationally hardly anybody cares about them. Um, but and and I will say too, I used to watch you know I used to watch a little bit of probably all the bowl games this year. I hardly watched any or barely didn't even know they were on because we didn't have a gay bowl pool. I mean, you take away the bowl pools around this country and who cares about the bowl games, you know? Yeah. I I will say like the vacation and stuff. I, like, I guess it's cool. Um, I've, I've had a lot of hell of a lot of fun at bowl on bowl trips, but like, do I really need to go to a Hawkeye huddle? Like, do I really need to go? I, I, I mean, the thing, like the, you know, do I really need to go sit in Raymond James Stadium for three hours and watch Iowa play a uh, you know middle of the pack um, SEC team? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I. I don't here's think I what do. would happen <laughs> is, if, yeah, if if the bowl games went away, what would happen is for like us or or you take know, like a golf trip, you know? Like, yeah, or uh, previous life us. Like I was gonna say is we'd go. We'd, we'd for sure make sure we were going to Columbus for the Iowa right, right. or something, right? Or, or the non, you know, that one year when we played Arizona and Tucson, we'd, we'd hop on a plane and go to that, you know, um, right. and make a regular season road trip 
uh, a long weekend instead of a bull trip or something. You know, right. so you'd still exactly. You still um, you still do that. You still do that type of thing, and and you can still do this like championship weekend thing that the Big Ten was gonna do, right? If you didn't sure. have the bowl games and you wanted to do this championship weekend thing to kind of you know kind of have like an end of the season type thing, you know, for for your teams, you could do something like that. But yeah, I don't know. It's I I just think that I nothing lasts forever and like the more and more you start looking into the financial aspect of the bowls like i I just don't see how especially coming out of a pandemic and the amount of money that these schools are going to be behind i i just don't see how there won't be significant change um you know i just money talks right and yeah it's just yeah it's just going to speed up it's just going to speed up the change right i mean it's inevitable that it's going to be an expanded playoff and bowl games are a dying thing and dying industry and the the covid's just going to speed it all up but right i agree in my opinion so well college football should we talk a little bit uh just real quickly about the uh nfl playoffs that are going to be starting up this weekend as well before your big announcement yeah, let's uh, let's let's hit the Bears real quick, um, and then roll out of here. I suppose after the big announcement, the Bears uh, a defeat to the Packers, but thanks to I've already forgotten L.A. Rams starting quarterback's name this week, but thanks to whoever <laughs> whoever that guy was uh, beating the Cardinals, the Bears squeak in to that added seventh seed in the NFC playoffs. Did did nobody else think it was nuts that the two quarterbacks in that Cardinals? Rams game, like, never heard of him. Never heard of him as a college player. Never heard of him prior NFL or anything. Like, I had, I had no idea who those guys were. I, I'm, I'm looking it up as we speak. Because, like, Wolford, that's who it was, baby. John Wolford. <laughs> who was the guy for the Cardinals uh, while uh, Murray was out? The guy that came in for the Cardinals was Chris Streveler. Streveler? Streveler? <laughs> there we go. There you go. <laughs> like I had never heard of these guys, and they're made up name or NFL quarterback. Yeah, exactly. You could have said anything there, Brad. You could have said anything, and I'd have been like, oh, no, I have no idea who he is." So that was that blew my mind. But uh, yeah, the Bears just you know um, the problem with the Bears right now is that uh, their offense is not very good, and their defense is getting older and not as dominant, and therefore they're going to continue to be. Seven and nine to nine and seven for as long as the McCaskies keep owning this team. So yeah. I'm not excited about this game Sunday at all. I'm sure by the time the game comes around, I'll like you obviously want the Bears to win, but I mean, it, it oh, wasn't yeah, a good it wasn't a good season. You know they they won eight games. And I think I sent you this, didn't I? Where the combined records was like of the teams they beat was like 44 and 80 something. Like they, it just wasn't a good year, and it's. So anyway, I, I'll let you go talk about the Bears since I'm obviously well, Debbie Downer about it. But yeah, no, I I am as well. I mean, I you know we were going into that Packers game here week 17, and it was Bears win and Bears make the playoffs, and maybe Nagy, maybe Pace, maybe Trubisky's back, right? And then it's like so we went eight and eight. We only made the playoffs because they expanded it one spot. So like we're gonna let that like why you know why. We're going to let that dictate whether we make any changes or not. And I don't know that they are or they aren't, but that's where I was yeah. saying. I think all this does is just make this game against the Saints, which the Bears are coming in as 
what, 10 and a half point underdogs or something, I think. So um, that almost to me makes this a do or die for, for pace for Nagy. I, I don't know. I mean, Trubisky came back in. Sure. He's better than Nick Foles. If you want to pin your hat on that and he's not terrible, right? I mean, he isn't terrible. He's he's not very good. He's not very good, but he isn't terrible, but he's just not. He, he can do what Nick Foles did it in Philadelphia if you had the the right offensive line around him, right? Exactly. You got the right offensive line and the play calls, but like we, you know, he he did throw the one pass deep to Mooney, but other than that, that, that might have been the only pass he threw over five yards down the field. Like yeah, it's except just, that one that got picked at the end of the game. Yeah, it's just it's just brutal to to watch. Yeah. But if the uh, but if the, if so, here here's my thing: if the leadership of the Bears. Like there was all these reports, like oh, you know, they're going to be back if they win this game. They won't, you know, they, you know, all that stuff. Like th- that tells me the leadership sucks, right? Because right. if you're if you're letting it all come down, you're, you're playing the result at that point instead of looking at the process and trying to determine is this process getting us where we need to be. And the answer is no. The franchise has been to what uh, six, seven, eight playoffs in the last thirty years. Like it's not it's not a well run franchise and. You know, you can say you can say everything you want about you know oh the you know uh, Papa Bear Hallis and uh, you know the Chicago the monsters of the Midway and all this stuff. It's like they we're we're not that most years. Most years we're just an average team, right? We have we're gonna end up seven and nine, eight and eight, and if that's what like the McCaskies want, then sure, whatever. But. You, you can't look at this this season in a, in a whole, in a totality of the season, and say that the process is good. Right? It's just not. Like, the offensive line got better when Alex Bars and Sam Mustafer came in. Like, how does that happen? Yeah, I know, right? Right? How, how does a guy from your practice squad and your third and your fifth guard end up on, on the field, and then all of a sudden your offensive line is better? Like, what – so there's, some, there's, there's something screwed up there, and, and – I think they should start over and uh, figure it out, but you know, whatever. I I didn't want to get too in depth there, but I did. So yeah, no, I hear you. And and like we said too, it it's Trubisky had a pretty good run, right? A four straight games against bad I mean, teams, under five hundred teams, and then this past Sunday we saw once again what he looks like against a real team with a decent or better defense, right? Just yeah, check down city well, and. And can't make the throw. Like our GM should be fired strictly because he fell in love with Mr. Trubisky because he came to his interview in a freaking Toyota Corolla. <laughs> like, Girl. Uh, like that, that whole thing. Like, and, and like, what, what, what are you interviewing for? Like, the the result is on the field. Like, why? Like, he just blew us away in an interview. Well, who fucking cares? Yeah. Like, you know, what, like the the strong safety for the Packers isn't asking him questions. He's you know, like watching him throw a football directly in his face for an interception. So, anyway, okay, you got me all riled up with the Bears. We got all riled up. Don't even, yeah, yeah, don't even get us up. started. Yeah, don't even get us started on delay a game penalty. <laughs> <laughs> they never call it. I mean, they never call that shit. So, oh, anyway, it's bullshit. whatever. Whatever. Uh, Should we get but, this? We hit this big announcement and get out well, of here. Yeah, let's tease it a little bit more. Okay. Let's tease it just a tiny bit more. Let's take a break here and listen to our uh, one of our sponsors, and then we'll be back with the big announcement to close it out. Huh. All right, so, you know, we thank our sponsors, and uh, 
folks, we've got more sponsors than you can shake a stick at. I don't care what anybody's saying on the streets. But uh, with that said, Drewski, I think it's time. The listeners have waited long enough. The big announcement. The big announcement. Well, listeners, you guys are going to know what this is because you have been sending us emails, phone calls, text messages. Uh, some, I think some Brad's on the Twitter machine. He's been getting some Twitters about this. Um, I've been told that Facebook's been blowing up about this. So you guys know what we're talking about. But we just want to announce that we are going to go ahead. And once this pandemic is wrapped up and it's safe to be in crowds again, we're going to go ahead and get a, go out on tour. The We Have High Expectations podcast live tour. Uh, so we'll be looking for more information on that here as we get towards the summer. But we'll be coming to a town near you to do a live taping in front of all of our adoring fans. I know Brad's really excited about it. We'll, uh, you know, we'll have more ticket information out and when we uh, finalize the venues, thinking maybe you know the Five Seasons Center in Cedar Rapids might use. Uh, the Target Center in Minneapolis. Um, you know, if we make it to Milwaukee, wherever the hell the arena is called that the Bucks play in, you know, those are probably big enough. We probably don't need to do actual stadiums right now, Brad. Do you think? I was gonna say I am at Buffalo Wild Wings, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I love it. Yeah, it's yeah. really exciting. Uh, like you said, uh, uh, a few of the a few of the Twitter uh, hounds probably spoiled the news and broke it a little bit early for us, but it's nice to have it official that we have high expectations. Tour coming soon. 2021 tour. So yeah, so we'll finalize those venues, but like I said, probably won't go as big as a stadium tour yet. Uh, be looking for the stadium tour maybe in 2023. We'll probably have to take a little break in 2022 from all the travel, but. Uh, but yeah, get it, get get it marked on your calendars. Twenty twenty one, mark the whole year. High expectations, live. <laughs> there you have it, folks. There's nothing quite like high expectations in person. Drew and I live our entire lives that way, and we're just thrilled that this year we're going to be able to share that with a live studio audience. So yeah, so that's the big news. We're excited about it. I think uh, I think we've talked enough for tonight. What do you think? Sounds good. Big announcement. The cat is out of the bag. Uh, we will catch you next time, Drewski. Good yeah, episode. We'll talk to Great you next thoughts. week. Yeah, good. Yeah, I tell you what. We I feel like this one. I feel like we really built off last week's momentum. Enjoy the rest of your week, and uh, we'll hear all listen. You all will hear from us soon. Thanks again, and have a great week. That was a terrible ending. <laughs>